The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Welcome to A Guided Life Podcast, where we talk about all things spirit and life. I'm your host, Laura West. Follow me on Facebook at GuidedWest11, on Instagram at GuidedWest, and on Twitter at LauraWest111. I also have a website at www.laurawest.net, where you can download a free guide on how to meet your own spirit guides. My book, Guided, is available on Amazon, and it's about soul teams, intuition, mediumship, and spiritual tools such as oracle and tarot cards, crystals, pendulums, and so much more. My guest today is Carolina Wickstrom. Carolina is a human design and manifestation guide. After moving to a new country without any friends or family around, She felt isolated and disconnected. That's when she found human design, and through it, she was able to get back in touch with her authentic self. Human design has allowed her to blossom and thrive in this stage of her life. She is passionate about sharing her expertise with human design because she has seen firsthand the deep impact this system has on people's lives. Hi, Carolina. I'm so excited to have you here with me today. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I am very thrilled to have a discussion about human design. Um, It has been brought up briefly here before, uh, but nothing in depth. So I'm really excited to sort of dive in to it and talk about your journey, you know, with it or without it, whatever resonates and go from there. Yes, of course. So if I may introduce myself a little bit, uh, I am Carolina Wickstrom. I am originally from Colombia. I'm from I'm almost two now, and I am a human design guide. I came across human design about three years ago after I was transitioning from moving to a new country and into motherhood at the same time. And that's when I came across human design, and it has been such a journey, and it's brought a lot of light and clarity. To my life, and and that's why um, eventually I decided to to really put a lot of intention, my energy, my time into it because I think it it really is a wonderful system and a and a beautiful way to understand ourselves in depth and understand those around us as well. And in doing so, we can create so much harmony in our lives and in our relationships and in everything we want out of life. So just thrilled to be here and be able to to share this with you. Wonderful. Now, I would love to dive into now with all this, uh, you know, amazing stuff that we've already just barely heard about human design. Can you tell us the amazing things that you have been up to these days? I started my business officially a year ago. 
I offer human design readings. Um, I offer basic, like not basic because they're still very, very much in depth, but fundamental, like the fundamentals of your unique design. And then I also do like the advanced readings in which in, in those we go a little bit more in depth into like the more specific aspects of my client's design. I also offer coaching. I support a lot of coaches. A lot of coaches find it very helpful to, for me to give the clients a reading so that they know what they're working with and so that they can like start from like a, a clean slate, like a clear understanding of who they are as, and like understand their client as well. I also guide coaches into understanding, like getting a working understanding of the system so that they can support their clients a little bit better. One of the things I love the most is giving um, readings for kids because I find it is so supportive for parents to understand their kids on, on this like fundamental energetic aspect so that they can support them and nourish them in the right way. So, so much to cover, but those are a few of the things I, I, I do offer. I love that idea of utilizing it as a parent to parent your child. Uh, we did that for our kids. We gave them, we did astrology readings so that we could better understand them in regards to their astrology. So it's very helpful. It's insightful. It's validating as well, you know, picking up on things like, oh, that we already felt that about our kids and vice versa. So that's wonderful, wonderful way to do it. I was wondering for the listeners who maybe don't know what human design is, if you could maybe explain that to us. Of course. So human design is a system that combines Astrology, the I Ching, the Kabbalah, and the chakra system into one very complete overview of your energetic blueprint. And it's very much unique to each person. It is based on your day, time, and place of birth. It gives you the understanding of how your energy moves within you, how you're supposed to navigate life, how you're supposed to not, not supposed to be how you, you are designed to interact with others. It gives you clues as to what your gifts are, your purpose, your strengths, the areas that you may need a little bit of work on, like the homework, the lessons you came to learn. So uh, there's a lot to cover when it comes to human design, but it's, it is a, a beautiful, empowering tool that is meant to give you the language to fully trust yourself and like go on the journey of becoming your most authentic self. And, and the idea is that everyone's different. Everyone has different gifts and talents that they bring to the table. So with that, it's essential that you, you know who you are and that you own those gifts. Thank you. Thank you for that. There sounds like a very upset child in the background. I know. I'm sorry. My baby skipped her nap. Until like now, she's oh, like no. monster baby. Of course, <laughs> at this time, baby? right? Yes. <laughs> well, we won't, won't we won't keep mommy too long. We won't keep mommy too long. Uh, so, you know, you you um, explained human design uh, so well and the basis of it. Would you be willing to maybe explain to us uh, how human design has worked in terms of your life, as far as from childhood and explaining things for you even to now? Sure. So. 
when I came across human design, as I mentioned, I was transitioning into motherhood. And I felt very lost. I, I felt like I lost touch with myself. I stopped being a person and I just became this shapeless being that I was, and I don't mean like being in shape, like I just, it, it meant like I felt like completely, no, I felt like so, I didn't feel grounded in myself anymore. I lost sense of who I was. And it was through discovering human design that I was like, yes, this is me. This has always been true about me. And maybe I need to reconnect with, with that person, with those things that I always knew were true about myself. And so that's where it all started. To be perfectly honest, when at the time, that wasn't the first time I came across human design. I had come across it maybe three years before then. And at the time it didn't resonate. I just think I wasn't ready for it. And then fast forward three years later, a mom, new country, the whole thing, feeling so lost. That's when it found me again. And then I was ready. And so I started to integrate it into my life. And I also started to like see like let's let's see how true how true this actually is. And I did my husband's and my son's chart. And once again, it was extremely specific, and it helped me understand a lot of like the dynamics in our relationship as well. So that was already like such a huge shift in my life because I was able to see or, or not see, but at least understand where some of the conflict was coming from, and and was able to kind of like step out of it and understand the situation and solve it from like a different perspective. And then when it came to my son, there were certain things that were so innate to him, like so natural to him that I couldn't explain, but they were clear as day in his chart. For example, he has this thing where he has, it's called the channel of logic. And I promise you, I have a video. He learned the numbers before he knew how to speak. I have a video of him pointing at the numbers. And it makes sense because to him, like the numbers were like, something that was like consistent logic that he saw everywhere. So he immediately became drawn to them. And then it was the alphabet. And and he's, I can see as he grows, he's three and a half now, how much he relies on logic every day in every aspect of his life. So just knowing that and so now I'm like aware of it. So I'm, I'm able to support it and nourish it and all these sort of things. So once you understand like your gifts and their gifts, you can support them better. You can be the parent they need you to be, which is why I find like, like that was the thing that was, was for me like mind blowing and totally like captivated me and I dove deep like into the rabbit hole and I'm still down here three years later. <laughs> <laughs> Stuck in the rabbit hole. Uh, so I love that because I think, you know, sometimes as parents, many times as parents, we worry so much about our kids and having that human design, knowing that it's the way that your son learns that he will pick up on the numbers before the letters, knowing that the letters will come because that's the order of it for him versus a parent who may be unaware and just think, oh my gosh, don't all kids learn the ABC first? How come my kid doesn't learn the ABC? You know, so it's like, can alleviate that worry? I don't know. Like, it, it, when it comes to the logic, I think, I think he, he gravitated 
towards both, but numbers were a little bit easier at first. But they're both like they're like a very specific system in a very organized way, consistent. And that's what interests him. He couldn't care less about Paw Patrol or like any of the other things I see other kids are drawn to. And so I could be worrying, oh, my kid's so weird. He's not into like the things that other kids like. Or it could be like, this is his gift. This is what he loves to do. I'm going to support him and encourage him. And it's, it's something that is natural to him. So that's kind of the approach. It's, it's more like recognizing who they are by nature and supporting them. And the best way you can, is, I mean, as far as we're also still only humans. But yeah, it, it, it does alleviate a lot of tension and frustration and anxiety and wondering if you're doing something wrong or if there's something wrong with them. Or, and this is just a very small example for my own kid. But clearly, every kid's different. Every kid's own, it's their own world. Until you do their human design, you just won't know. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, I want to dig in a little bit deeper into that story between when you first heard about human design and you were just like, eh, it didn't really resonate. And then, you know, you're, you were living in New York at the yes. time. Is that right? Yes. You're in New York. Okay. Can you explain a little bit about what life was like for you around that time? And then what you experienced when human design, I know you mentioned about motherhood and everything like that, but what was, what was the, like the emotions going on when you finally rediscovered human design? Like, what was that? What happened at that moment? You, you, you know, you're doing the corporate thing in New York and you heard about human design. You're like, eh. <laughs> and then three years, three years later. Yeah. So. What happened? Exactly. So <laughs> when I first came across it, I, I mean, the first thing I did was, go online and look at my chart, right? And my chart, um, if you look at a human design chart, it can be a little overwhelming, but in essence, there are nine shapes. And let's say I I have two of the shapes colored in, in human design, we call that definition. I have two defined centers. When I first saw it, all I saw was, oh, I only have two out of the nine. And I just felt so disempowered, like so defeated from the get-go of like, I don't resonate. The profile name, I have a 1-3, which in traditional human design language is called the investigator martyr. So the whole martyr thing, I just, it was like, oh, no, that sounds awful. I don't want any part of this. Pass. Next. And that's where he left it. And then three years later, I, the thing is, like, I, I keep thinking it's found me because I honestly cannot remember how I came across it again. And I keep thinking about it. But then and I reached out to a friend and she's like, just following in this whole thing. She's like, oh, you should follow so-and-so. And this book is really good. And so I immediately started, like, buying all the books, listening to all the podcasts. And the more I learned about it, the more it starts to resonate. The more it's like, yes, this makes sense. And yes, this makes sense for me. And that's how the shift starts to happen. And then to answer your question about how I felt at the time, I just felt like so seen, like so validated. It really felt like this weight, like lift off my chest. So yeah, that that was my experience. And, and what changed, I mean, I... 
moved to a different country. I, I, I was deeply ungrounded. I was having a hard time settling in in a new country with a new baby, no family or friends around. So it was a very difficult moment for me. And knowing now my human design, I can see why it would affect me so deeply. I didn't know that at the time. I was me, like everyone else is doing my best. Really glad. It found me, just like you saying, it found me. <laughs> and I was more open to it then. You brought up such a, a good point as far as the difference between three years ago to, to the time that it found you again. And I, it seems like the difference was you were able to understand the, the chart better because I think people can can Google it, right? What it looks like. Um, it, it looks very, <laughs> it looks like it doesn't make any sense. And it's, it, it, you're right, it gets so specific because um, I've done my chart before and I'm just like, uh, do <laughs> I'm like I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, where do I start? What does this mean? Uh, so it can be very overwhelming. And especially if you see words like martyr. <laughs> and there's so much information out there. So like, if you start Googling yeah. it, it, it just becomes overwhelming because there are so many moving pieces. And it's hard to make sense of it as a whole when you're just getting the, the little puzzle pieces from different sources. It's hard to put the puzzle together. And that's that's the yeah. that's the that's the tricky part. That's my job essentially. That's where I come in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, what would a session with you look like? Okay, so it depends on the client because everyone has a different goal. But let's say we're talking about uh, one of my fundamental readings. I usually explain to the client. I try to get a sense of where they are in their journey, how much they understand about human design and their unique design and we take it from there so usually we go over what we call energy type which is kind of how you're supposed to interact with the world your authority how you're supposed to make your decisions your profile kind of like your it's a bit of like your purpose your personality how you interact with others your energy centers whether you have them defined or undefined whether you're seeing the highest version of those in your life or not and what to do about that and that's already like a lot like that's that's more than enough for someone to like like that's where i feel like it's enough for them to like step back process it digest it ask any more questions if they have any more questions and then we can go into like the more advanced topics such as gates and channels and incarnation costs and and the things that go like very, very specific, because at the end of the day, in any human design expert guide coach will tell you this, it all comes down to following your strategy and authority. And that's like 80% of the job here to learn to trust us too. And so that's step one. And I can tell you all about all your different gate activations and blah, 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 blah. But if you're not following your strategy and authority, you're just wasting your time in essence so that's that's always why i like to let's get back to basics and and we'll take it from there so you had mentioned that you that a lot of your clients are like entrepreneurs yeah. and people who are looking to start businesses what would incline somebody to come and see someone for their human design what does that help them with? I know you said so many things, great things already as far as, you know, how to process or, uh, you know, how, how they project themselves and things like that. But 
Can you give maybe more of like a specific example of why somebody would come to see you and how that would relate to their to their building a business or something like that? Of course. So I want to give you you as an example. I know you're a producer. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> so producers, their strategy is to wait for the invitation. And so this is where all my coach clients and friends really struggle because they feel like when they hear wait for the invitation, they're like, oh my God, what do I do now? Do I, am I supposed to just sit here and do nothing? But the reality is that step one for any projectors is trying to start a business. The first thing they need to, de- to do is own their gifts and recognize the gifts, the, the things they're really good at by nature and be like, hey, I'm really good at this. And then people will start asking you for your help in that aspect. So, for example, one of my business coaches, she's a projector, she's extremely successful. And she was, she felt like she wasn't a projector because she didn't feel like she was waiting for the invitation. But I, I know her story. So I asked her, okay, so remind me again, how did your business get started? And she's like, oh, well, my friends asked me if I could help them. I'm like, there you go. That was your invitation. That's the invitation. Yeah. That was the invitation. And she built it from there. And now she has that like on Instagram and they're like, oh, well, I feel like I can't talk about my offerings or anything. I'm like, no, like the moment someone decides to follow you on Instagram, that's an open invitation. It's, it, we're talking about like more like an energetic invitation here. An open invitation. They're saying, I want to hear what you have to say. Tell me all about it. <laughs> and so that's your open invitation to share freely. And when they feel like, okay, I want to work with this person, they'll reach out to you and, and ask you for your advice, your guidance, your services, whatever it is that you're offering. Wow, That's that resonates example. with me so much. Yeah. Yeah. That resonates. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's a simple example where, like, something that can be misinterpreted it really picks people up with the right guidance. Yeah. And, like, okay, so when we're talking about businesses or online coaching or, like, these specific things, this is how it works. This is what that means for you. Um, and that's kind of like where I come in, kind of like giving that guidance and that advice and that type of suggestions and helping people understand what it all means for them. That makes sense because I have heard that before that I wait for an invitation as a projector, right? And to me, that means a formal invitation. So, so for you to interpret that that way, it makes way more sense. Well, I don't know. They're almost like, okay, so do I wait for a call? Like, and how do they know yeah. that I'm good at this? Like an invitation in the mail? Yeah. RSVP? <laughs> A very formal email. Yeah, that's exactly. It can get a little. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Thank you for breaking that down. That made so much more sense. You're welcome. Glad that glad that was. I know when we when we had a chat before Mm -hmm. and we talked a little bit about your childhood. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you wouldn't mind maybe bringing that up and sharing that again today. I think we talked about like you were like a nerd, right? Ah, <laughs> there are so many things with my childhood. I'm still a nerd, so that hasn't changed. It's just that I own it now. 
<laughs> yes, yes, but it was like not kind of a good thing before, well, right? Whereas of, now, of course, in school, being a nerd is never the, the a great thing, right? Like it's, you're never the cool thing, the cool kid if you're the a nerd. <laughs> uh, the yeah, right. But uh, it's funny because at first it came very natural to me, and I felt okay with it. Then as I grew up, I started to realize, oh, being a nerd is not so cool. And so there was a lot of, um, I felt really rejected. I felt really lonely. And then about eighth grade, I was like, you know what? I don't care. And found my people. And and those people are still, to this day, my very best friends. And now that I know my design, and because I have a one in my profile, and the one is about building really strong foundations in terms of, I know where it's like, like knowledge or like material, like having like a secure home or like that type of thing. That is something that's very, very important to me. And, and that ties back to how on ground that I felt when, when I was like, how like I've been limbo, like not really settled anywhere. That's why it was affecting me so badly because for me, it's important to have this strong foundation, a place where I can like, feel safe, secure, feeling confident about my knowledge, the things that I have to share, the things that I know, it all ties back to that first line in my profile that, I mean, now it makes sense, but then not so much. Right. Especially when you're going through it or before you even knew about human design. So it's such a great point that you bring up is that your human design can help you explain personality traits as a as a kid right when you were when you're younger i'll give you an example my little boy he has a five in his profile that's someone who is going to be called to it's called like the hero energy like saving the day kind of thing he loves to help he gets upset if i don't let him help around the house and i thought that was a phase i thought that was like something that every kid went through and I guess my mom is like, no, that's just him. I'm like, oh, so that's definitely the five things. Yeah, that's just him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he, he gets upset if I don't let him help me with like, my smoothie in the morning. So like work on the, like he does the microwave and he gets really upset if I don't let him. He really, really likes to help and feel like he's contributing. And I really thought it, that was like every kid, like, and that's <laughs> That is so sweet. Um, So I guess on a more serious note, if somebody had a childhood that maybe wasn't as sweet, there was trauma or, you know, some sort of abuse, how does that affect their design? Or does the does the design sort of affect how they process that trauma abuse? Is there a connection there? Yes. So the areas in our chart, the energy centers in our chart that we are open we're more sensitive. So we're more likely to be conditioned. And especially like if we go through difficult experiences, you're more likely to experience trauma and kind of like have conditioning in those areas in your life. Yeah, for sure. Where we have definition, we kind of have like this sense of stability of we're like grounded in those aspects of ourselves. So those aren't really, it's not, easy for anyone to like shake you out of your area, out of your zone in, in those aspects that where we're open, it could be like your emotions, it could be your sense of well-being, it could be your sense of self-worth, um, where we're open, 
we're very sensitive and and likely to experience conditioning in those aspects. Got it. Um, I do feel like I'm jumping around a little bit because that brought up another question um, as far as when you said it's very hard to like shake out of, you know, some of the areas that I think you said that were open. You're defined. Yeah. when you're defined. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So I think it could be really beneficial. I mean, I'm sure it is really beneficial for somebody to know their design. So if they wanted to um, implement their business more effectively, right? So I know that there are manifesting generators um, and they're really good at manifesting. Uh, you have to tell me if I'm right. <laughs> no, so you have to, please correct me. Manifesting generators are very good at multitasking and they're very, mul- like there's multiple elements. So you have like the people who are like uh, lawyers who run marathons and are chefs and like do all ah. the things at the same time. And you're like, how on earth do you have the, one, the energy and two, like the ability to like shift from one thing to the other without like missing a step like it, it it's like they're like almost like magicians when it comes to managing time too but because they're so efficient and they have a lot of energy and their energy is very quick and like let's go let's get it done and they move faster than anyone. I, I'm, I'm i'm telling you all of this from my own experience with my husband who's in the manifesting <laughs> so when it comes to manifestation as we call like secret calling the things you want in life there is no one that's better than the other. Oh, There's okay. That's good to know. To be in alignment with who you are. Yes. So it's not that manifestors can manifest better or faster or anything like that. It's just the language. Kind of like it's, it can be a little confusing because it's the same word, but it means two different things. Yeah, right, right. So that's where people can be like, oh, I'm not a manifestor. I'm not meant to manifest. No, that's not the case. If, you, if we're talking about manifesting, oh. like that type of thing. Calling the things you want, it's about being in alignment with who you are. And that's why human design can be so helpful because it really just tells you, is this who you are? And your job is just to like, okay, let's go there. Let's, let's shift the path. Let's, Got it. Let's go back there. Yeah. So it's like reach your goal doing it this mm-hmm. way. Less energy because you're doing it the way that you're meant to. So, okay. So that was fascinating. Yeah. So it was fascinating how you explain the manifesting generators. Can you explain the other ones as well in their characteristics? So generators are here to follow the things that bring them joy. Ra said that he was always jealous of um, generators because their only job was to wait for the universe to give them things and pick the things they liked. Yeah. So generators are here to do the things that they love, and in doing so, they generate energy, hence the name, generators, for everyone around them. They generate this life force energy to sustain everyone else around them. When you see a generator that's very much in this song, you can, they're so magnetic. They, they, it's almost like they're sparkling, like they're glowing. They have like this energy that's really attractive. So that's the signature of a generator that's in alignment between they are projectors as yourself you're here to be guides you're here to be counselors you're here to give people advice when they ask for it um because they're waiting for the invitation part um <laughs> right <laughs> but uh, extremely smart extremely perceptive they can see people right through for who they are they can analyze situations 
and come up with like the best, more, most efficient solutions that are great at like creating systems to like optimize things and like um, they can zoom out and like kind of be like, okay, the most efficient way from to go from point A to point B is to follow this path, follow me um, kind of thing. So very, very insightful. And yeah, that's kind of like your role to guide and to provide counsel and guidance to those around you. Whoever my manifestors are here to download all the crazy ideas and bring them into form. So like they're like the ones that are gonna get the crazy. Okay, this is the way to design our projects. It's going to go to Mars. They come up with the idea and then they pass it along. So it's kind of like okay, this is the idea now. I need support with getting it done. They're not here in projectors, near projectors. I'm not here to do all the doing. They're here to like, okay, this is the idea, do it. Or this is my advice, you go follow it. They're not here to like do all the doing, unless they feel called to. I mean, in general, they will struggle if they try to be productive 24 seven or nine to five or whatever it is. They, they struggle to keep up with that pace and, and eventually can lead them to burnout. So very important for what we call non-sacral beings, manifestors, projectors, and reflectors. I'm going to talk next about reflectors. To check in when you're alone, check in with yourself, see how your energy is feeling. Um, are you feeling tired? Do you need a break? And really honor that so that you can recharge. And for reflectors and manifestors, this is very important because it's not only about like, oh, I'm feeling tired, I need a break. It's also that during those breaks is when they get the insights, is when they get the downloads, is when they get the urges, the ideas. So if you're just staying busy for just the sake of feeling like you're being productive, you're not giving yourself the opportunity to get to those insights or those downloads. And you're also denying everyone else those insights and those levels, and those are the things that the collective needs from you. So it's not at all selfish for a projector to take a break and take it easy when they feel like it, because it's during those moments that they're going to be like calling in the background, you know, kind of like when you're like really trying to come up with a solution for something, then you're like whatever later. And then when you're showering or something, some other time comes to you. It's not like it's, it's, it's always simmering in the background and it's during the rest time that you get a chance to integrate, to connect the dots and kind of like come up with the solution that you need. And they're reflective. Wow, I can relate with yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, and the reflectors are here to be kind of like the wise person. They, 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 they are born wise already, but they are so open. They are very sensitive. They get um, a lot of life experience because they essentially become the person they're with, the chameleons. So they 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 feel what it feels like to be the other person. So they go through life experiencing what it feels to be everyone else, and then through that experience, they become so so wise. They become um, extremely attuned to what the collective needs. Where are we going? Are we in the right path? Are we not in the right path? 
and they're here to provide that objective assessment. So they're kind of like the, the elder in the middle of the tribe, like telling us this is where we go and this is how we are meant to be doing things and this isn't going so great. So they're kind of like that type of, this is the kind of the archetype, like the type of persona they're here to be. And reflectors are extremely sensitive, but also, they're also extremely dynamic. So it's really hard to like just guess someone is a reflector because they change every day and they change depending on who they're with. So it, it's sort of a whole different, like almost like a different species because they're ruled by the moon. <laughs> it's only 1% of the population. The rest of us, 99% of the population were ruled by the sun. So yeah, they're entirely different. I have a, a friend who's a reflector. I'm always like, tell me what it feels like because I don't understand how you go through life. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's that is so interesting. Those the five energy types. Yeah, wonderful. So, is a reflector would that be different from an empath? So reflectors are empaths by nature, but it, we. It, but not not all empaths are reflectors. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I see. And there, okay. and there are different areas in, in our charts where we can be more sensitive to others. So words like or emotions or sense of, of well-being or like or thoughts I happen to be open in those three areas those three areas so I can feel people feeling feel, feel their fears guess like see what they're thinking almost and that's also in the chart which one are you I'm a generator oh nice one three six of generator <laughs> Oh, got it. Okay, got it. Nice. Very nice. Oh, that's so wonderful. Well, um, Carolina, I wanted to wrap up our interview today and ask you what advice would the Carolina of today give the Carolina who uh, was rediscovering human design, had her babies, moved to, New- uh, moved to the UK? What advice would you give yourself? Oh, that's a, that's a really good question. Just trust. There's a reason. Trust. Don't don't be so afraid to fail. There's no such thing as failure. Just lessons learned. Oh, I love it. That's a that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Wonderful lesson to learn. Well, I just want to thank you so much for your time this evening thank and you. taking the time out of your life and away from your child <laughs> to talk with us about human design. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. It was an absolute pleasure and an honor to be able to share this with you today. And yeah, if you have any questions, um, come follow me. I'm on Instagram on I am Carolina Wickstrom. I'm sure will be in the show notes. And yes, yes, go ahead and ask questions. I'm always, always open to, to answer any questions that you may have. And that was another episode of A Guided Life Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, love and light always. Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. 
I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.